are listening to the Daily Roundup as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a fun show for you today. Some stuff in Bachelor Nation to talk about. My Wednesday night TV viewing, Bachelor, excuse me, Big Brother and The Challenge. And maybe get to a little sports at the end of this thing. We'll get to that momentarily. Do not forget, though, this podcast brought to you by Dame Products. You guys got to go to Dame. I'm telling you. Use code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com. Try adding a toy into the mix and discover new layers of pleasure you can share, plus sex that you will look forward to. I promise. Also, Organifi, a superfood blend that tastes amazing and makes it easier for anyone to choose their own health every day. Go to Organifi.com slash RealitySteve. Use code RealitySteve for 20% off your next order. And then also download Trivia Star, the number one trivia game in the Apple or Google Store. Believe it or not, everyone, and I'm not kidding, we have nothing to cover in regards to anything Nick Vile-related, anything Katie Thurston-related, Blake Horson, none of that stuff. There wasn't anything new. You know why? Well, Nick hadn't said anything. Now, like I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, the fact that Caitlin, Caitlin came after him. Why can't I speak today? The fact that Caitlin had Blake and Giannina on her podcast and came after Blake and God. <laughs> so just uh, and came after Nick saying that how many times he's contradicted himself over the years and she has secondhand embarrassment for him and took Blake's side in the Nick Blake debate. I got to believe that that's not going to sit well with Nick. I don't know his podcast schedule, so I don't know when he's next to speak. I just can't imagine that guy not responding to what Caitlin said. He's it's just not in his DNA. But like we said here, we're holding people accountable. I want to hold myself accountable when, you know, I said last week we went after clickbait for the misinformation that they started peddling. We went after Nick, the first couple podcasts this week, and for lying, basically, and showed you how and why he lied. I will take something back that I said. I lied to you yesterday. I didn't realize I was lying to you, but I did. That wasn't an air purifier in Nick's studio. When I told you to go look at Vile Files, episode 58, when he interviewed Kaylin Miller-Keys, I made a comment that Nick was in his studio with an air purifier. Apparently, one of that, that was one of his oil diffusers. Sorry, I was wrong. And I have no problem correcting myself when I'm wrong. I was wrong about that. It wasn't an air purifier. Here's something interesting. Could I possibly be getting closer to knowing who one of Rachel or Gabby's choices? I'll say this. Yesterday, I got some information that corroborated something I had heard about a month ago. Completely different source. These two sources do not know each other, as far as I know told me two things independently, and they were both the same exact thing in regards to who Rachel or Gabby is with. I'm not going to mention which woman because this isn't a spoiler yet because I still haven't gotten it confirmed, but 
for the second time, I've now heard the same thing in regards to who one of them chose. So leading me down a path, I could get there. And you say, well, why isn't that not good enough? And I'll tell you why. Because, and I don't, and I don't like to reveal stuff in regards to past spoilers, but you know, the, the only spoiler I've ever been wrong about from the time I mentioned it till the time the finale aired was Desiree's. We all know this. I was wrong about other ones for a couple weeks, a month, but it was all, anytime I've been wrong, it's been changed before the finale aired. You knew who they chose. Okay. I wasn't for Desiree the whole time. Hell, even when the episode was airing, even leading up to it, and even 15 minutes before she got down, but Chris got down on one knee, I thought that Brooks was showing up and whatnot, and obviously that was wrong. But on that one, when I was told that Desiree told Brooks, and I put the spoiler out there that Desiree chose Brooks, I remember getting that spoiler corroborated by somebody who said, yeah, Desiree is with Brooks. So I was like, oh, I feel confident in this. What's interesting was after the fact, when I went back to that person, I should have done this before. This is, you got to remember, this is 2011, 2012. This was kind of early in my spoiling years to where I would never do this now. But at the time when that second person corroborated that Desiree was was with Brooks because of who they were, I thought that it was a given when I ended up going back to them after the finale was over, and I was like, I thought you said Desiree was with Brooks. Like, what was the, where did you hear that from? When we kind of backtracked how they heard it from, it was basically my own spoiler that did me in. Like, they had heard through the grapevine that Desiree was with Brooks, but what I didn't ask about was how they knew. And it ended up being. Oh, I found out out from this person. And then we found out that that person knew through my spoiler in terms of, oh, that's what I heard that Desiree was with Brooks. It wasn't confirmed. So, like I said, this was early in my spoiling career, but that's how it went pretty much went back then. You know, I just I wasn't nearly as thorough in vetting and I and I and I should have when it came to the spoilers like that. But, yeah, especially when it was the second person that told me Desiree was with Brooks, I'm like, oh, OK. Must be right then. <laughs> Obviously wasn't, and it ended up being that person was telling me that because they had heard it, and the reason they had heard it was through the spoiler that I had initially released. So totally bizarre. Now, moving on to something else that popped up yesterday <laughs> in Bachelor World. Dave Neal covered it. One of the Instagram accounts covered it. We have another TikTok story, and there was a TikToker out there who put out a TikTok. It was very short. It was 10 seconds long. It was basically saying, um, uh, I'm, you know what, did I take a screenshot of it or do I have to pull it up? Maybe I should have been more prepared. Uh, I didn't take a screenshot of it. Let me let me pull it up because they are, uh, whoops. <laughs> Um, okay. Basically, I, if you, if you've seen the TikTok, I think you know what I'm talking about. Basically it's a TikTok of, of a girl with the caption on the screen saying crying over a guy. And I'm paraphrasing here, basically that found out after a year and a half of dating him, just finding out he has a daughter from a reality show. 
So, and had a rose next to it. So the, the implication is that this person is talking about Nate. And Dave Neal covered it on his YouTube page yesterday. You can go watch that video. We remember the last time we had a major TikTok story, and that was Sasha, when she thought she slept with Clayton. And for two days, I never said a word about it because I was doing my due diligence behind the scenes, trying to get to the bottom of it before I said, here's what the story is. Here's what I'll say about the TikTok and Nate story, because this is referring to Nate, because clearly he's the only person on this season who has a child that we know of. I'm doing my due diligence behind the scenes. I will report back when I have everything. The early returns, not good. Not good. So I will let you know once I have everything in place. And like I said, you know my how I'm running things now and how I'm handling things now when it comes to someone who wants to share information that happens to be negative about a contestant in this franchise. I'm done being the middle person. I'm not going to relay information that's told to me and just take the bullets because that's what I've been doing for the last three or four years. Well, I mean, I stopped it last April, but before that. So if anything is done, the person behind that TikTok will be speaking. You will know their name. You will know their voice and you will have receipts if we get to that point. I'm doing my due diligence. You have to trust me on this. So that's where we're at with the TikTok. I'll keep you posted. Reality TV last night. Big brother. (laughs) Okay. You know that I'm a latecomer to big brother, but if you've heard me interview people about big brother and talk about big brother, One of my biggest issues with it, not issues, I just, of what I think about the show, it's just very corny. The voices, the challenges, the wording, how many times you can tell someone in a diary room is saying a line that was given to them by a producer, that's just corny. I think Otev is super corny. The show's just kind of corny, but I've, as you know, I like the fact any reality show where you have a group of people who have to vote somebody out and that the people that are voted out ultimately have to decide your fate. I'm into shows like that, and that's why I like Big Brother. So I like the social experiment aspect of it, but it's corny. To be honest, it's corny. Last night, perfect example. It actually goes back to Sunday night's episode with the pie-eating HOH. You know, when these people are stuffing their face in a pie, do we really need the over-exaggerated sound effects of just squishing? Like, I mean, that probably made your skin crawl, and I didn't even do it well. But this the over-exaggeration of the sound effects when they were going through the pie. And what's ridiculous was last night they used the same exact sound effects when Michael and Kyle were trying to put in their contacts. So how is it the same sound that you make 
digging your face through a pie and putting in your contact, touching your eyeball. I mean, it's just, it was so unnecessary and so dumb. Just stop it with the stupid sound effects. That doesn't sound like when you put your contact in. I'm sorry, not even close. I wear contacts. It takes me, first off, it takes me one second to put my contacts in. I've been wearing them for, I got my contacts right out of college. I've I've had my contacts for 25 years now. And I, it it takes me one second to take them in and out. It's not, and now granted, I, I understand that why Kyle and Michael struggled with their contacts was because they had just got them. And yeah, I remember that first day when I got a contact and I was sitting in the ophthalmologist's office, the eye doctor place wherever it was, it was a lens crafters and they would not let you leave until you could put your contact in. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is impossible. Every time anything touches my eye. Remember, this is the first time I'm ever putting something on my eyeball. The second it hit my eyeball, my eyelids would close. I'm like, this is never going to work. I can't put this in. My eye keeps closing. They're like, trust me, keep trying. It might take you 30 minutes. It actually ended up taking me 45 minutes. I remember that specifically. 45 minutes to put my first contact in. And now it takes me one second. Obviously, your eyes adjust and get used to it. But yeah, I remember that. On Pico Boulevard in West LA, Lens Crafters, it was at the West Side Pavilion. That's where I got my contacts in case anybody gives a shit. (laughs) You probably don't. But I just remember it. There are some things in my life that I remember so vividly that you would be like, what? I could do a whole daily roundup on things that I remember vividly from my life way back that you'd be like, oh, my God, that's embarrassing. But I do. Got my contacts 1998 at Lens Crafters on Pico Boulevard in West L.A. at the West Side Pavilion. Probably not even there anymore. I know the West Side Pavilion is, but I don't know if that Lens Crafters is still there. Wow. Anyway, moving on. But, oh, Big Brother. So they had to make it seem like there was some suspense because it just seems like everybody, they're going to blindside Pooch. and But then right before the nomination, Michael, who won POV again, comes up with the idea, well, what if we take Taylor off the block and put Pooch's boy up there? And I'm already forgetting his name. I'm sorry. Um, gosh, I, I'm sorry I wasn't prepared and I would keep, keep talking in circles tonight and just stumbling over my words. Joseph, why don't we take Taylor off and put Joseph on? That means guaranteeing Pooch or Joseph is going home. And they put that in there and made you think that maybe Jasmine would change her mind. She didn't. Michael kept the same two nominations, Taylor and Pooch. And it certainly looks like Pooch is getting backdoored. And as I reported yesterday, because someone emailed me, no episode tonight for eviction. It was supposed to be tomorrow. That got pushed back. Sunday, we're going to get a two-hour episode full of all goodies, including this festy bestie. They said this at the end of the episode tonight. This was the first I've heard of it. What is the festy bestie? Did I did I miss an announcement? Did I literally did not hear that until the end of the episode. What is festy bestie? I guess we don't know because they're going to announce it on Sunday. But when I guess what I'm saying is when was this first brought up? that there's a festy bestie that's going to change the game. Because 
They said it at the end of the episode like it was just matter of fact. I don't remember hearing anything about that until tonight. So I'm confused. It seems like every time I talk about Big Brother, I have questions. <laughs> but if someone can answer that for me, I'd appreciate it. If they know what it is, uh, go ahead and tell me and spoil me on that. I don't really care. That part I can be spoiled on if it's already been established what it is. And it's been happening uh, in real time. The challenge last night. One thing that's interesting about the challenge is when you watch the MTV version, a lot of us sitting at home always say, why don't they go after the stronger players? The rookies just get in there and cow and bow down to the vets. And vets just, that's why the vets always get to the end. And you'll get a rookie that sneaks in there every once in a while. But when you watch the challenge on CBS, now you can't really go after the big guns because one, you technically don't know who a big gun is because none of these people have played the challenge before. We clearly know that Tyson is is going to be tough, but there's nobody that's been established over numerous seasons where it's like, yeah, they are the big dog here. Tyson's probably the closest thing. But they can't do that because one, we don't really know who the big dogs are and who's going to be good in challenges. And two, because they're changing up the teams every week, that's another reason why you don't really want to go after big people because then you're going to have a final with a bunch of not strong players. And that's going to suck. Tasha and James went up against Dominic and Cash in the arena. Dominic and Cash won, so Tasha and James are going home. And Tasha and James, Tasha from Survivor, James is a, um amazing racer. So we've only got two amazing race people left. Dominic and Cash are one Love Island, and Dominic is from Survivor. So I don't know what the numbers break down to. I think Survivor still has the most people there. And as I said a couple daily roundups ago, I don't know the spoilers for this season, but I would be pretty shocked if someone from Survivor doesn't win the challenge. I don't know if there's one winner or two winner or four winners this season. I have no idea. But I'd be pretty shocked if someone from Survivor doesn't win this thing. I just think they're so much more well-equipped for this show than anyone from Big Brother or Love Island. Uh, Amazing Race would be a close second, but I think someone from Survivor will win. And I just want to wrap this up with a little sports take. SEC Media Day has been going on for the last couple days. Yesterday, defending national champion head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, Kirby Smart, got up there and he said, can we move the world's largest outdoor cocktail party back to a home-and-home series between Georgia and Florida? Which is interesting because I was like, why would why does Kirby, what's his reasoning for that? And then when I read his reasoning, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because you basically only play four to five SEC home games in your schedule. SEC home games. Obviously, you have three non-conference, which are usually all at home for the top teams. But if you only have four, let's say you have four SEC home games that season and one of them is against your rival in a neutral field, I did not know that recruits are not allowed to go to the UGA Florida game. I did not know that until yesterday. That's why Kirby says, can we move it back to our campus and do a home and home and just rotate every year? Because when we're playing Florida, we'd love to have our our recruits see us play Florida on our home field. And I'm sure Florida would like the same for them. And the Florida coach said, hey, Billy Napier from the University of uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette, first-year coach at Florida, said, hey, 
I don't know anything about this rivalry yet because this is going to be my first year. Let's play one year, and then I'll see if that's a better idea to have a home-and-home, which is smart. But, yeah, I did, I did not know that until yesterday. So I'm just curious. Any Florida fans out there? Georgia fans out there? I'm sure there are. What do you think? Would you be upset if the world's largest outdoor cocktail party got that game got moved from Jacksonville to every other year it's at either Georgia or Florida? Either at the Swamp or God, what's Georgia's Sanford Stadium? What what's Georgia's field called? Uh oh, I'm gonna have to Google this again. Georgia Field. I know people that are UGA alums are are screaming at me. Oh yeah, I was right. Sanford Stadium. That's right. Between the hedges, right? It's the nickname between the hedges, Georgia. Anyway, that'd be interesting, but I did not know that until yesterday. So that was a, that was a good note. I'm glad I read that story. Cause I was like, why was Kirby want it moved? I thought that was a big deal to have it in Jacksonville and it is, but I did not know incoming recruits were not allowed to attend the Georgia, Florida game in Jacksonville. They're not allowed to attend neutral site games. So We'll see what happens with that. Looks like they're going to have to play at least one year, and then Florida head coach Billy Napier, assuming he doesn't get fired after one year, will then decide, have at least a say, and maybe, yeah, maybe we should go to a home-and-home. But thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Sorry I had so many screw-ups today. I don't know what the hell got into me, but I appreciate you listening. In an hour or so, we're going to be releasing um, my daily Thursday pod, my weekly Thursday podcast. God. It is with Lynn Spillman, who is basically the brains. She's the casting, former casting director of Survivor. And she cast the first 38 seasons of Survivor. So she is the brains behind some of the most memorable contestants in reality show history. It's a great conversation just about the history of the show and talks about a show that she is now an executive producer on, which I'm now hooked, of course. It's a teen show set in the Hamptons, so of course I'm hooked about it. But we talk about that as well. But uh, Lynn Spillman is my guest today on the Reality Steve podcast. That'll be up in about at about uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. So thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Sorry for all the screw-ups. And we will talk to you tomorrow. See you!